Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of the Steelers Burning Question. It is Saturday. It's the day during the season that we do our Steelers Burning Question, and it is my turn up. We've been taking turns with doing this show, the Steelers Burning Question, in which if the title didn't give it away, what it is is myself, Dave Schofield, Brian Anthony Davis, Lance Williams, all of our podcasters essentially take a burning question that they think of and they put it out there. They answer that burning question. If you're watching us live on YouTube, you get to chime in via the live chat. And if you're an audio platform, make sure you do check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com and search BTSC Steelers Radio. All right, so today's burning question is one that I have been thinking about a lot since the week six win over the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday night football, but especially since this past Wednesday, when Mike Tomlin, who had a brief media session with the local media, stated, Mason Rudolph's our guy. Mason Rudolph is our guy when he's healthy. And so everyone said at the time, well, who knows when he's going to be healthy. Later that afternoon, the Steelers announced that he has been released from the NFL's concussion protocol, and he is then therefore the starting quarterback of the Steelers. So here's what I've been thinking, and this is the burning question for this Saturday. What is the Steelers offense going to look like in week eight when they come off the bye week and they host the Miami Dolphins at Heinz Field on Monday Night Football? Everyone might have a different view of this, and that's why we bring it up. And if you're watching live in the live chat on YouTube, feel free to chime in. What should the Steelers offense look like? I'm not so sure I know the answer to this question, to be completely frank, to be totally honest with you, because we've seen so many things that are different all the time. Uh, we see the fact that you, let's go back to their first win of the season against the Cincinnati Bengals, also on Monday Night Football. And that was when they introduced the Wildcat. They did all those jet sweeps, and they, they wanted to check the ball down and get the running backs in space against the Bengals linebackers. And it worked. And then you look at their second win, last game, Sunday Night Football against the Chargers in L.A., and you have the offense that was, again, checking it down, controlling it, running the football. So if this isn't about success and failure so much. It's more about what should we as fans expect with the team where it is now and with the team coming off a of bye week, which I think is really important. 
because you're going to have a bye week. Don't think, I, I guarantee you Mason Rudolph, if he left, he did not leave for long. He's going to be in the facility. Randy Feetner is probably working with him and probably Devlin Hodges as well to try to get them to the point where the game plan and the comfort level is really, really good between coordinator and quarterback, which is that's crucial in today's National Football League. And so I think what the Steelers need to do and what the Steelers should do is have a little bit more of a semblance of balance. Balance is key. There are certain things that they've sprinkled in here or there that I really like that I hope continue. I'll give you a perfect example. In week six, on Sunday Night Football, you saw them run out of the pistol for the first time. For those that don't know what the pistol is, that's when the quarterback is in the shotgun formation and the running back is actually behind him. So that's called the pistol formation. I like that. I think that that gives them a, a new wrinkle that they can utilize. And I think James Conner is good from running in that situation. Um, I would like to see them be under center more rather than constantly in the shotgun. Roosevelt Knicks coming back, which is a possibility coming off the bye week in week eight, I think will help that a lot. Ultimately, though, I think offensively, the Steelers are going to have to start getting vertical. And that's something William Mallory in the live chat just stated, that they're going to have to start trying to press the ball down the field. The one thing that frustrated me against the Chargers was they didn't need to do that. And when they did, that was when Devlin Hodges threw that very, very costly interception. If you think back, and you might say, well, costly, how? They did. They won the game, which is true. They did. The costly interception was the fact that it really opened the door for the Chargers to get back in. And that was the turning point. And that's when it became a game. It wasn't the bloodbath that it was. It was actually... And here they come, and they're starting to get some momentum back. You can't have that costly turnover. So I guess maybe the question is, and I'll pose this to those that are watching live, can the Steelers continue on their current offensive trajectory and their style, which is try to run the ball, but just dink and dunk your way down the field? Can they do that and have success? Their record says no. But at the same time, the two wins that they had, they definitely did that. And so you have differing opinions here and everyone's going to have their own opinion and everyone's entitled to that opinion. But for me, if I were to say here is what I think this offense should and will look like coming out of the bye week, I think it's going to be more versatile, both from a package standpoint, meaning how many receivers, how many tight ends you use. I really hope that they start to learn to lean on their two tight end package using Vanette and McDonald. They're both versatile tight ends. They both are pretty decent blockers. I wouldn't say that they're Matt Spath blockers, but they're pretty good at what they're what they're asked to do in the run game. It's going to give them options. I hope they utilize more of that bunch formation. They can run out of that. They can throw from there. I'm not suggesting that the Steelers talk about RPOs with the quarterbacks that they have. I wouldn't be focusing on anything that's going to cause them to think too much. And so I would have a simplified offense, yet really versatile packages that they're running. I think that they should definitely put an emphasis on try, at least trying to run the football early in the game, get the offensive line moving forward. The offensive line has been tremendous in pass blocking. So as much as they've been trashed this season, the offensive line for not being as good as advertised for kind of being overhyped, I think that ultimately they might just be overhyped and not playing well in just run in run blocking. Their pass blocking has been really, really good. I think they've only surrendered five sacks through six games 
That's a good number, period. So Mason Rudolph is absolutely going to be the quarterback. That is not a debate unless he comes out and lays an egg and doesn't play well. Then maybe they think about making a change, but Mike Tomlin made it very clear that this is the, he's their guy if he's healthy. And so with that said, to me, that's a message to Randy Feetner saying, look, he's our guy. He's going to be our guy for the rest of the year as long as he's healthy. We've got to let him play. We have to let him play. And anyone that watched him at Oklahoma State and watched him in the combine and watched him at pro days and checked out some of his highlights from college, and I know that's the Big 12, and that's completely different than the National Football League. But what I'm saying is that they have to let him play. And what I mean by that is let him throw the ball. Let him take some chances because that's something that Ben Roethlisberger did, and no one ever complained about that. Yeah, you'd have some when he threw five picks in the game against Jacksonville in 2017, well, people had an issue with that. But at the same time, he's also taking shots down the field and he's forcing the defense to back up and that, you know, get out of the box and not be able to put all those defenders into the box. So they have to let it, let him rip it down the field and see if they can make some plays that way. Again, will he make mistakes? Yes. He's basically a rookie. I know that he's a second-year player, but he's essentially a rookie. Last year in 2018, he didn't even dress for a game, let alone get into a game. So he's learning. This is only his. This will be his fourth start of his career. He's only completed two games in his career. I'm not. Th- I'm not suggesting that Mason Rudolph is going to step onto the field and be tremendous. Do I think he has the capability of being tremendous? Absolutely. But am I expecting that? That's a different story altogether. They need to run the ball, try to get some balance. I'd love to see play action get worked into. But again, play action is only good if you have the threat of actually running the ball. Because if you can't run it and you're getting stopped with a team that's basically playing in coverage and just using their front four, front five to stop you or stop your run game, then they're not going to bite on that play fake at all. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. I want to say something quickly. It's about Mason Rudolph that um, the Steelers preview, which airs every Thursday night. That's myself, Brian Davis, and uh, Dave Schofield. We were on, and it was it was a longer show. We typically go about an hour. And at the end of the show, someone said, man, I can't believe Jeff is just so into Mason Rudolph. And they wanted an explanation. And I gave it. I don't know if anyone listened all the way to that point. So I said, I'll take some time on Saturday to kind of emphasize why I like Mason Rudolph so much. And it's simple. Mason Rudolph was the first quarterback that the Steelers drafted that I felt was potentially the next guy. And when I say the next guy, meaning the future quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you think back to other quarterbacks that were drafted during the Ben Roethlisberger era, whether it's Brian St. Pierre, whether it's Dennis Dixon, whether it's Joshua Dobbs, all these players were just viewed as nothing but, hey, this guy's going to be a good backup for us. There's going to be, he's going to be a good backup. I'm not saying I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. He clearly still gives this team, when healthy, the best chance to win. But what I see in Mason Rudolph is an NFL-caliber quarterback, and yes, I'm rooting for him. Yes, I want him to play well. No, it's not because I want him to send Ben Roethlisberger to an early retirement, as Lance Williams said. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that, my goodness, if he proves to be a quality quarterback, then maybe, just maybe, Steeler fans won't have to suffer through the same period of time from Bradshaw to Ben again, period. If if you think back to all the quarterbacks that played the position, whether it's Malone, Tom Zach, Brister, O'Donnell, Stewart, 
I could go on. They wouldn't have to deal with it because if Ben Roethlisberger retires, Mason Rudolph is capable and he takes over. That's why I'm rooting so hard for Mason Rudolph, because if he is good and he is that type of player, then the Steelers will be set for another decade or more at the quarterback position. And what does that mean? They'll be competitive for another decade or more. And what does that mean? There's a chance to win more Super Bowls for a decade or more. Is he that caliber quarterback? Only time will tell. No one knows for sure. So that's why I root so hard for Mason Rudolph. It's nothing against Ben Roethlisberger. It's no bias towards Oklahoma State. It's not Big 12 football. It's none of that. It's all about the black and the gold, wanting to see them have long-term success. And he has a great opportunity in front of him. Mike Tomlin said, this is our guy. He's our guy for the rest of the season, no matter what. And so we'll see how he responds. I think the fact that he might actually have some competition. Don't think he's don't. He was on the sideline against the Chargers. He saw Devlin Hodges go out there and get. He he saw him go out there and and get the W in his first NFL career start. Don't think he's thinking. Well, who's this guy? I think he is. This is my job. He's gonna have to prove it. And now he knows that there's someone behind him that's already won a game that fans are talking about. It's up to him to bring the focus back on himself, the onus back on himself. That'll be fun to watch. Okay, so at this point in time, we're about 12 minutes into the show. If you missed any of the show, you can always go back and check it out. But that's if you're joining us live. If you have questions now, now's your chance to fire away. I saw some people ask some questions earlier in the show, but I wanted to get through uh, that little bit of a dialogue that I had. And then I'll get to your questions. I'll answer as many as I can. And um, we'll, we'll call it a show. It's a bye week. So let's have some fun with it. If you have some questions, if you want to use the Super Chat feature, you don't have to, but you can. Go down to the bottom where you can leave a message to the right. There's a tiny little dollar sign. You can click on that, enter any amount of money. It'll highlight your question. I'll guarantee to answer it. If for some reason it gets lost in the shuffle, please, please, please put in all caps. Make sure you check this, that, and the other. Put the question again, and we will answer it. I promise. So here you go. Let's, uh, we, well, right off the bat, Crazy Chris has a $1.99 in the tip jar. We appreciate that. He said, um, Juicy J's can be a t-shirt idea. Juicy J's. Chris, I'm trying to think who you'd be referring to in terms of the J's. Uh, James Conner, maybe Dante Johnson. Um, trying to think who else would be. The one name I did like is a, uh, Bri uh, Brian Baldinger of the NFL Network, who does great breakdowns on his Twitter feed, did one of Devin Bush, and he called him the Cobra. I think that had a good ring to it. And when I heard that, I was like, you know what? If, if that name could somehow stick with him kind of like when they gave jay wobble to Javon hargrave that might be a t-shirt right there the cobra the cobra absolutely so um hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. William Malvey brings up a good point. He said the 1980s were brutal, folks. If you have something to complain about, uh, you weren't around in the 80s. I wasn't around for a lot of the 80s, but I was there for the tail end of it. And it was, it was rough. It was absolutely rough. People, Steeler fans that are, you know, under the age of probably 20 to 25 and under, they've only known Ben Roethlisberger and success their entire life. It's insane to think about, but that's the truth. So, you know, 
it, it was like Bill Davis says, you know, <laughs> and Bradshaw and Roethlisberger, they were tough times, really tough times, just constantly searching for the answer, constantly searching for the who's going to be the guy. And so now hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, Mason Rudolph is the guy because maybe he could be the best quarterback out of that draft class. And the, that, that, Think about some of the names that are in that draft class, so we'll see. Nicholas asked a question, is the offensive line the next area the Steelers should look to reload at next year? Well, here's how I view this, and that's a great question. I view this as simple as it's one of the oldest positions on the team. This team, this football team, especially now with Ben Roethlisberger on injured reserve, is a really young team. Think about it. Think about the receivers. You have Johnson's a rookie, Washington second year, Juju third year. Yeah, I mean, you have a veteran in the mix with Johnny Holton and a veteran and Dante Moncrief and I guess Ryan Switzer. But those are your, your top three receivers when healthy are all within their they're on their first rookie contract. You know, you got Mason Rudolph's in his second year, James Connors in his third year, Jalen Samuels is, is in his second year, Benny Snell is a rookie. Okay, then you go to the other side. Hayward's a veteran. Two had just got his second contract. Javon Hargrave is still in his rookie deal. Devin Bush is a rookie. Um, Vince Williams is a veteran. Hayden's a veteran. But then you got Steven Nelson, who just got his second deal. Edmonds, uh, second year. Fitzpatrick, second year. Um, Sutton, rookie contract. Guys, this is a young football team, except for the offensive line. You have veterans like Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Villanueva. Uh, filer still young, but you have these positions where I think this is where they need to start taking a look at some of the talent. But the problem is, although the Steelers are very good at finding talent, they're going to have to really be resourceful because you have these decisions to make in the early portions of the draft of where are you going to go? You're going to go skill position, or are you going to go with one of the mutters, the linemen? And so, the line play around the NFL has been awful. And that's why when Fred Johnson was waived to promote a guy like Paxton Lynch to the 53-man roster, everyone said he's going to get snagged up. And he did by the Cincinnati Bengals because other teams need offensive linemen and the Steelers typically know how to find them. That's why they were able to trade Gerald Hawkins before the season. He was going to get cut and someone traded for him because they knew the Steelers have a good sense about how to find these type of players. So I personally think that, yes, the offensive line is the next position. What position along that offensive line? They, they seem to have a decent number of tackles and banner, filer, chooks, a core four still in the mix. I like those tackles. I think guard is somewhere they should be looking. I know BJ Finney is great and he can flex his way out from center to guard, but the loss of Johnson, who played guard primarily, Makes it tough. Foster's not getting younger. David DeCastro, I think, has several good years left in him. But that is a position that they're going to have to address coming up. Good question. All right. So if anyone else has any questions, um, fire away in the live chat, and I'll be glad to answer as many as possible. Okay, I'm sorry. Crazy Chris, he clarified this. He said, who needs the killer bees when you have the Juicy J's, Juju, James Conner, James Washington, and Jalen Samuels? There you go. That's not bad. Juicy J's. That sounds kind of provocative i don't know <laughs> okay so yeah increase says up at the center you know center position is absolutely marquis pounds he's not getting younger the question then you ask is is bj finney capable of being the center and if so you keep him around and then you just let him 
transition in whenever Pouncey's done. We'll see. All right, Tyler says, how high around do you think they would look for alignment? Well, I mean, let's look at next year. No first-round pick as of now. Second-round pick, depending on how high it is, they could probably get a decent lineman in the second round. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. Um, at the same time, there's going to be other needs as well. Uh, they're going to need to look for um, probably receiver again is a, is a legitimate concern at this point. Maybe a tight end, depending on whether they can re-sign Vinette. Um, offensively, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking offensively, but defensively pass rusher because you, know, you don't know what's going to happen with Bud Dupree. So th there are some options there, but I would not be upset if they decided to go with a lineman in round two or round three. So um, Gyro says, I'm confused. Why did they get rid of Gilbert? Well, Gilbert couldn't stay healthy, period. I, I don't think it was a personal thing. He just couldn't stay healthy. And they were they were tired of it. They had a good, good young tackles waiting in the wings. And if you haven't noticed, he's on injured reserve after tearing his ACL for the Cardinals. So his injury was followed him to Arizona. And the Steelers got a six-round pick out of that. So I think in regards to that, um, they, they made a good move, period. So... Okay. This is a good question. Steelers fan frenzy with flip contributor to the website. He says he's late, but what do you expect Moncrief's role to be moving forward? Well, here's that's a, that's a really difficult answer for me because not only is it about what he's capable of and potential, it's also about the fact that don't think for a second that these teams, including the Steelers don't value these compensatory draft picks. And there's a lot of people that will perk up and say this is dumb you don't make decisions this year based on the draft next year bs i call bs on that based on the fact that the steelers and other teams i forget what team just did it today i saw on uh, my twitter feed that another team released a player because they wanted a fourth round comp pick for him and so they let him go i honestly and i said this i want to say in my steelers preview show the steelers preview show because i asked uh, Dave and Brian, what they thought about this situation. And I said, you know what? Keep him around until James Washington is healthy. Uh, there's talk, and Mike Tomlin said there's a good chance that James Washington should be able to practice and be back prior to their Week 8 game. If he is, and he's showing some signs of life, and he and Mason Rudolph are maybe developing that connection that they had in college, there's no need for Moncrief. There really isn't. They've been showing that they will put Johnny Holton in a position to make plays ahead of Moncrief. And if you're going to bury him that far down the depth chart, why even keep him? That's all. That's, that's the only thing I keep telling myself. And I'm not a Dante Moncrief hater. I'm not a Dante Moncrief basher. If he can help the team win, awesome. Keep him. But if he's that far down the depth chart, that they're going to put Johnny Holton out there and they're going to take shots down the field with him. I'm not saying whether they're successful or not, because they haven't been yet, but if they're going to focus on him to make those type of plays, why keep Dante Moncrief in general? In my opinion, let him go. Keep him until through week nine, cut him before week 10, get your third round draft pick. I feel like if you needed help at the receiver position, there's someone out there that could help you as well. So for me, I don't think that, um, I personally would like that third round pick and, and flip says that the third drops to a fourth. We don't lose it. I want that third round pick, but after they've gotten rid of a lot of their draft capital, I'd like that third round pick. And again, if he's not going to help the team win, then it's not worth keeping it. And right now they have shown absolutely zero 
confidence in him. He did make one catch, and it was a nice catch for first down against the Chargers. I'm not going to hang my hat on one catch. Okay, period. Just how I'm going to do it. Okay, um, Nicholas says, how long until we can say that the Mark Barron signing didn't work out? They've been looking good with Williams. I think that what's... Here's the situation, and, and this could be a Morgan Burnett-type deal, Morgan Burnett-Terrell Edmonds-type deal. When they signed Morgan Burnett, he was supposed to be the safety. And then Terrell Edmonds was the rookie. He was going to learn and play in spots. Well, Morgan Burnett couldn't stay healthy, and so next you know Terrell Edmonds is playing more. Morgan Burnett becomes expendable. Mark Barron, I don't think, was signed to be the every-down starter. Now, he started in week one because I think they wanted to have as much athleticism on the field going against Tom Brady and the Patriots. But at the same time, I don't think he was ever supposed to be the every down starter, every down, every day starter. He was going to play in spots. When he plays a lot, he gets exposed. And we've seen that. Everyone's seen that. And I think for me, if he can find a role on this team, it's not going to be a didn't work out situation. In other words, if he could be that, player that plays around the line of scrimmage to stop the run. He can do that. Don't put him into coverage as much. And so that's why I've always said, if, if, if it's a coverage issue, play Vince Williams, Vince Williams struggles in coverage. We all know that that's no, but he's also a better run stopper. And I'd say he's a better blitzer. Devin Bush is developing. I like Williams and Bush as you're starting inside linebackers, moving forward with Mark Barron when healthy sprinkled in. I think that's good. Um, William says, Jeff, do you think they'll run the wheels off James Conner or will they sprinkle in Benny Snell? I fear Conner will not make it through the season if they don't utilize a second back or more. Benny Snell acclimated himself well on Sunday Night Football. That's important. That shows that's going to give this coaching staff a little bit of faith of putting him in there and injecting him into the roster and not sitting there thinking, well, he's not going to be able to get the job done. I think in the short term, they can do that. They can use Benny Snell to give Connor a rest. But I don't also think, and I thought about this as I was talking to someone that was a Steeler fan in my area, James Connor runs with a reckless abandon. He's not one of those guys that basically, you know, it, it, he's, he's not one of those players that's going to run out of bounds. He's not one of those players that's going to kind of take care of himself in terms of how he runs the ball. That's just who he is. So he's always been, even going back to Pitt. So unless he changed his style, he's going to be a, a candidate for an injury in a lot of ways, a lot of seasons. But I think that Benny Snell proved himself that he can absolutely get the job done. Cree asks, do you feel that Connor and Snell and Samuels can get the job done with the FBO line doing a better job? They're going to have to be creative to run the ball. That's what, that's what we've seen so far. Things like those jet sweeps, um, using the short intermediate passes as a extension of the running game, things like that. That's what they're going to have to focus on if they can't run between the tackles, which has been a struggle for them so far. Um, let's see here. Try to find a few more questions here. <laughs> Bill says Benny Snell is made for this. I hope so. He's a hard runner, but he has a lot, a lot of work to do too. Um, here we go. Gyro says, do you think that in the offseason, the Steelers will make some moves to help these receivers? I think if you're talking about um, moves as in picking up a receiver on a free agency, the Steelers just seem to tend to always want to draft receivers. Um, clearly, they got Moncrief in free agency, and that hasn't really worked out as expected. But at the same time, I think that they, they like to just draft their own guys. They like a certain prototypical receiver. I think that personally, if I'm looking at this rookie class, one of the players that has impressed me the most is 
Deontay Johnson, their third round draft pick. I thought that he did a, has done a tremendous job, not only in just understanding expectations in the offense, uh, but really also, I think he just looks comfortable. And that sounds very generic and bland, but it's true. You watch the game and you see Deontay Johnson does not look like a lot of rookies do when they're out there on the field. And not shockingly, there's another receiver on the Steelers team that looked the same way. And that was Juju Smith-Schuster. He didn't look scared. He didn't look intimidated. He didn't look like the stage was too big. Deontay Johnson, I think, is only going to get better. And he seems to have a budding relationship with both, I guess you could say, Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph. They're, They're targeting him a lot. Look for him to have a big second half of the year, or should I say post by uh, season. So uh, Cousin Dave says, do you feel Juju needs more touches? I think he does, but there's a lot of players that fall into that category. I think they need to run the ball more. I think they it, it comes down to just third downs, and that's something that you've heard a lot of from Tomlin, from Randy Feetner, from the quarterbacks, on to Juju Smith-Schuster, offensive line. They all say the same thing. If they are successful on third downs, moving the chains, keeping drives going, Everything else is going to open up. They're going to be able to run the ball more. They're going to be able to throw it to Smith-Schuster. But Juju Smith-Schuster also needs some help from other players on the team to get him open. And that's something that he's always had when Mr. Third and Fifth was still in Pittsburgh. He's still searching for that. I don't think that he is taking a drop-off in terms of skill. I think he's struggling to find footing with a new quarterback, a quarterback that might not always find him the way that Ben Roethlisberger did. It'll be, I'd like to see him get the ball more, but don't force feed it. Okay. Don't force feed it. Um, Haas says, are we going to address the elephant in the room? David DeCastro is having his worst season as a Steeler. I'm not going to disagree with that comment, but at the same time, I understand that David DeCastro's worst season is some offensive guards best season. And so, although he has struggled at times, I think that he's starting to kind of get into a rhythm. I saw him show a little bit more of the dominant traits that we're used to seeing from him um, against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. And so I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how he continues to progress or whether he kind of slips back into those first five games where he was struggling. But the whole offensive line was struggling too. Okay, here we go. Nicholas says, do you see any reshuffling of the coaching staff going forward during the season? No. After the season, it all depends on how they how things pan out, essentially. Um, I could see them potentially going a different direction with a coordinator. Um, I don't think because of Ben Roethlisberger's injury that they would fire Tomlin unless this season just completely tanks. Um, and I don't expect that to happen. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I can't really answer that question right now. Let's see here. Um, questions, questions, questions. Yeah. Mr. Third and Fifth would be would be a good addition if he didn't push his way out. Um, let's see here. Ryan says, I feel like we're lacking coaching talent. Can you imagine what defensive coordinators like the dude from San Francisco or Wade Phillips would do with this talent? Well, here's my, here is my honest question, and you can answer this. Um, you can answer this in the live chat if you're watching live. If you're listening to audio, you can just answer it rhetorically to yourself. Is anyone upset with what the defense is doing right now? Seriously. Is anyone upset with how they look? With how they're playing him? How they're playing? 
And I go back to something that Lance Williams, who people on YouTube hate, and it's hysterical. He is just drumming up the heel support. I mean, right now, like there's some people that love him. There's some people that hate him. And you know what? He's just going to be straight with you 100%. And so the one thing that Lance said, and he did an entire show dedicated to that, you can go back on YouTube. I'm not sure if it was on YouTube, but he definitely did it on our audio platforms. And he said, Keith Butler has no excuses in 2019. And he was 100% right. 100% right. That uh, that defense is riddled. And even more so now with the addition of Fitzpatrick. Riddled with first round and second round picks. And if you can't do it with this group, then you're not going to be able to do it at all. Yes, as Anthony says, there's still too many busts in coverage. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself how much of that falls on the coach and how much of that falls on the players personally. And I do have experience coaching, not football, but I do have a I do have a, a coaching background. You could put together the best game plan for any sport at any level, and you could have it absolutely all black and white on the chalkboard. And you could practice it day in and day out. And when you get onto the playing surface, whatever surface that is, ice, court, field, whatever, your players have to execute. So there's a fine line there, and fans always want to bash the coach. And it's, it's it's an easy scapegoat, but at the same time, a coach can't stand on the field with you. This isn't Pop Warner football where you can stand on the field with you, and if you're running a zone and the receiver runs underneath this zone and you can't have two players going there, that's not on the coach for the, the players not executing the zone properly. You can complain about when they blitz, different calls that are made. You have every right to criticize in that in that way. But for me, the blame between coach and player is so fine. It is razor thin. And all I ask fans is that you realize that sometimes it's not just one or the other, period. So I don't want to bash Keith Butler because I really like the way the defense is trending. They are trending up. If anything, my criticism is of Randy Feetner, although he has had good game plans the last few weeks and trying to find what's going to work against that one particular opponent. I feel like he's handcuffed the quarterbacks, both Hodges and Rudolph. I want to see him let it loose a little bit. I want to open up the offense. That's why with his bye week coming up, and this is what the, the title of the show is, absolutely I want to see them get some semblance of an NFL offense and not just dink and dunk all the way down the field. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Bill Davis and Bill Cower had a lot of NFL experience on the sideline as far as pro coaches. Tomlin, his coordinators are all his college coach mates. Uh, do they have any NFL experience? Well, Keith Butler did play in the league. He played for the Seattle Seahawks as a linebacker. Randy Feeder did not play in the league, but was with the Steelers organization for a very long time. Was a receivers coach, then a quarterbacks coach, and then eventually became the offensive coordinator. So they do have some experience. I don't want to make it sound like Tom was just bringing up college guys. Um, Butler played in the league. He, he was an NFL player. So keep that in mind. Bill Cowher was too, obviously played with the Browns. And then he coached with Marty Schottenheimer in Kansas city. And then eventually got his job with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so there you go. Um, and okay. So here's a good, Andre says Butler's too predictable. He just now started mixing up Hilton's coverage. And yes, he, predictable is the perfect word for what Butler has been in his tenure with the Steelers. But also let's remember he is now he, although you bring in a Minka Fitzpatrick, 
you have to get everyone, all ten, all, all the rest of the ten, comfortable and used to playing with Minka Fitzpatrick. And it's it's a it's a fine line. I mean, now just like offensively, I said they should open it up. Defensive should be able to do the same thing. Fitzpatrick should be comfortable now. He should know the calls. He should know the tendencies of some of his teammates that are in the back secondary. I think this defense is only going to get better. I think that Butler is going to be able to really show what he is capable of as a coach. And I, I'm excited to see that. I think it could be really exciting for this group because let's be honest, the Steelers haven't had a dominant group probably since 2010 when they went to Super Bowl 45 and lost to Green Bay. I can't think of a time where I could label the Steelers where, where I could label the Steelers defense as dominant. And if you can think of one, but since 2010, please let me know. And I'll be glad to say I was wrong. So there you go. Michael, uh, he did contribute $2 into the live chat. He said one to contribute to the show does have a question. Um, I think an offensive lineman taking high next year, really think we need some interior help at left guard. If not more, I do agree with you. Talked about this a little bit earlier that absolutely they do need some offensive line help. It is time now to start readdressing that position. And I say readdressing because you think about, you know, when they took Pouncey in the first round, DeCastro in the first round, they really invested a lot. Gilbert was a second round pick before. Obviously, he's not with the team right now, but he was a second round pick. Um, they were investing high draft picks on the offensive line. It paid off. Then they turn to the defense. Now they've been doing that to the defense. It's going to be time that they start putting some of those picks back to the offensive side. And I think that offensive line, especially the interior, is going to be really, really important. So, yeah. Um, okay. We've had a good show. Been a really good show. We've been about 35 minutes in. If you're just joining us now on YouTube, I apologize. Uh, but you know what? These shows on Saturdays, we like to keep on the shorter ending. We're between 30 and 45 minutes. We're right in that money spot. So if no one has any other questions, I do want to say that even though this is the bye week, even though the Steelers don't play until Monday night in week eight, keep up with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I want to end the show with this. Just posted this article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com probably about 30 minutes before I went live. And it was one of my Steelers think tank articles. And what that is is a is basically a place where people that go to the website and contribute in terms of comments, um, they can go and just kind of talk about one specific topic. And the article was, how are the Steelers going to replace Stefan to it? It's not going to be easy. I said this on multiple shows before. To me, Stefan to wasn't just playing at a Pro Bowl level. He was playing at an All-Pro level. Through five and a half games, he had three and a half sacks. His career high is six and a half. He was well on his way to shatter that mark. I think that absolutely he was, you know, but he was just, he was dominating. That's the best way I can put it. He was dominating. So, how are they going to do it? Tyson Alawalu, he's going to be the next man up. But how do they use Javon Hargrave here? Do they put him in a little bit? Do they move him into the rotation? Javon Hargrave, who's in the final year of his contract. Javon Hargrave, who wants big money next year. Javon Hargrave, who we've seen being proven to pass rush the passer. That's something to think about. How do they do that? They did sign LT Walton. I wouldn't expect him to make much of a big difference as he was he was in free agent as of last week. So keep that in mind. Good. It's an interesting thought to think about that. If you want to go over to the website and check that out, do so. And you can comment, be a part of the discussion. Snowman puts $5 in the tip jar. We appreciate it. Snow. He's a very loyal listener and viewer. I wish people would stop putting Bill Cowher on a pedestal. Uh, he was good, but he was no Chuck Knoll. I think that it, it's very common that people 
think back in the past is it's always better. You know what I mean? I, I even go back to when you hear older generations talk about when they were kids. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, duh, 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 you know, all that stuff. And I used to have to walk three miles of school. But in reality, it wasn't that different. And so people always say Bill Cower was the man. Bill Cower, Cower, Power. I love Bill Cower. I loved everything about Bill Cower. But the one thing you have to remember is that Bill Cower had some really bad seasons. And Bill Cower had some teams that really underachieved. And so you have a situation now where people are complaining about Mike Tomlin when some of the complaints they're making about Tomlin of his horrible time management and he loses down. They were saying the same exact thing about Cower when he was the coach of the Steelers. And people forget too that after that six and ten season in 2003, the same season that gave them Ben Roethlisberger 11th overall in 2004, people wanted him fired. If Twitter was around back then, it would have been hashtag fire Cower, fire Cower. He's a bum. Get him out of here. Lost his touch. He that he's too much of a player's coach. The message is dull. Everything you're hearing about Tomlin was said about Cower. So, like, I think it's just the fact that it was in the past. And Cower was a likable guy. Cower still is a likable guy on CBS. He's, I, I enjoy listening to his takes on the NFL. I think that's what it comes down to, basically, that you have these fans that remember him in a very positive light, but they don't ever want to think about the negative stuff that happened either. And, yes, every Cower Power defendant will say, well, he had... Tomlin's had Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Bill Cower also ignored the quarterback position for years. What are you supposed to do? You know, so there you go. Um, and as, <laughs> as one of our commenters says, I wanted fire. I wanted Cower fire too then. There you, it just, it comes full circle. And so it's one of those situations where, you know, everyone remembers the good about Bill Cower, but sometimes they forget about the bad stuff too. So with that said, I really appreciate it. And this is a good question. It's going to lead around. Gyra says, what's the show tomorrow? My plan for tomorrow, Sunday, with the Steelers not playing, is I want to do a show after the Ravens and Seahawks play to talk about the week that was, to talk about how the AFC North is kind of shaping up. Did the Ravens win? Did the Ravens lose? What does that mean for the Steelers? Jockeying for a position. The Browns are on a bye. We'll talk about the Bengals, if they won a game or not. So we will be on. It might just be myself. It might be myself and Dave. It might be myself and Lance. I'm not sure. Maybe it'll be all three of us. I don't know. But we will be on tomorrow afternoon, evening. So make sure you check us out for that show. It'll probably be like a Steelers Q&A type deal. And then on Monday... The Steelers hangover starts Tuesday. We're back to our normal rotation with the stat geek standard is a standard, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you check out behind the steel All your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. It's a great website. A lot of people have, have enjoyed it. I hope you all do. Um, I think that it's one of those <laughs> dry flies is I thought you were going golfing. I still might go golfing. It depends on the weather, but I'll be back for that show. Trust me. I'll be back for that show. So nonetheless, Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Thank you for listening. If, do me a favor. If you're listening this long, go to this show on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up button. That really, really helps us a lot. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet. And then also go to our audio platforms and make sure that you listen and rate our podcast. Give us good ratings, good comments. It really, really helps us. We appreciate it. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the bye week. Enjoy the NFL football. We will see you next Saturday. It'll be Brian's turn on another episode of the Steelers Burning Question. We'll see you later.